He who is truly free is obligated to love everyone. If you don't like Joe or Donald, pray for them. Love them. That's true liberty, but realize this. If you can't stand Donald Trump or Joe Biden, the attitude that makes you hate them is the same attitude that makes others want to hate you. If we're not willing to love and give our lives for those we consider our enemies, what makes us think that Jesus giving his life for us will find us in heaven one day? The choice to accept the morality and the mercy of Christ is also the same choice to love, bless, and pray for our enemies. Pastor Hardika has just defined true liberty. Today he is going to take the gloves off and step into his prophetic role, not as an opinion giver, but simply as a messenger. Neither liberals nor conservatives are going to be identified as the good guys or the bad guys. The battle for moral and civil liberty is at stake and the combatants are not your neighbors on the other side of the political aisle. What I'm going to share today with you is an extended word about what 2021 is going to bring and what God has brought to accomplish it. The prize is freedom and the means is fellowship. In the Bible, it means fellowship in the light, or koinonia is the Greek word, which means fellowship in and with the Holy Spirit. First, we're going to take a look at some much-needed light on this present battle. And let me caution, this is not going to be the typical observations that you've been hearing and reading about. 2021 is going to be the year of consequence, I believe. 2020 was the year of choice. It was painful, but there were many forces at work with the singular intention of shaping our choices. All that had been built into our lives over a long time became the soil in which our choices were cultivated in 2020. Through the maze of incredible challenges, we were brought to a choice. Now, we're going to live with those choices. God holds our right to choose as sacred. He will not force His will upon us, even when we make bad decisions. But He also holds the consequences of our choices as sacred. Just as He will not violate the free will of a man, neither will He violate the principles of His Word. He has told us, Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. We can't sow wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. The harvest of our seeds, sown by our choices, are in the earth, and the earth is going to give up the fruit that has been planted. If you think the seeds that we planted in the soil of American liberty were sown amidst much heartache, wait until you see the fruit that comes from it. You're not going to have to wait very long. But if you've been angry and judgmental, God's Word says, by the way you judged, you will also be judged. If you've grieved and extended mercy, He has said, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Conservatives have complained about the bias of the major media networks, Yet how many of them have supported these networks by entertaining themselves with the programming that has normalized immorality in America? Choices and Consequences Deficit spending has done much to break the back of the middle class in our nation and make it the perfect target for socialism. 
We've let two generations of children go into our universities totally unprepared due to a lack of personal time and intimacy with our kids, and we let them become influenced by Hollywood more than by home. And why? We were too busy because we had to pay for the stuff we couldn't afford, but were told we could. Oh, we can continue to judge the nation for its immoral posture, but who is God going to hold accountable? The people who didn't know any better or the people who should have? Now, there's a lot more that could be said here, but you get the idea. Or maybe you don't. It's the beams and splinters principle but it leaves out one very important part of the equation. When the land of Palestine heard Jesus declare that his kingdom was coming, they expected a reversal of Roman rule in the land. But it didn't come, at least not immediately. The choices and consequences needed to be laid out first. Then the cross needed to happen. God was going to use the darkness of the cross to defeat the darkness. The crowd that crucified Jesus saw a great light. We may very well need to repent of the sin marked by some of these observations, but for those who don't, consequences. For those who do, better consequences. In darkness in America, there have been choices made, and the consequences will come to it just as surely as it will come to those guilty of hiding their light in the basement along with you-know-who. God's mills of justice grind very slow sometimes, but they grind very fine. Treachery, corruption, and lies will find consequences measured by a higher court than the Supreme Court of American debauchery. You see, it's only making choices in the light of God's justice and grace that a man or a nation can be moved to choose the cross of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of wrong choices. Justice demands consequences, all the time. But Jesus has paid the price of the consequences of death for those who will choose him. The consequence will be eternal life with the power to live in this world with joy and peace. A nation is ultimately defined by its religion, and no amount of effort can wipe the cultural landscape clean of religious definition. Every religion is exclusive because the truth is exclusive. Even secularism is a religious choice to establish the religion of humanism. In fact, it was divined as a religion by the Supreme Court. And it excludes Christianity exclusively. One of America's great needs is to tell the government to get out of the way when it comes to religion. They have no right to define its practice in a land of liberty. Let the gods of each faith loose to prove themselves. In 2021, God is not going to ask the American people or its government for permission to execute the consequences of choices made by those he has created. This is his world, not ours. I'm not sharing this to debate these issues, but to simply exercise my freedom of religion as a Christian to tell you what the Bible says you can expect, regardless of what CNN or Facebook says. Choices have been made and consequences will follow. God is not an enabler. He's merciful, patient, and a strict disciplinarian who will not excuse the guilty or condemn the forgiven. Freedom needs fellowship, as we'll see in a moment, and real fellowship needs honesty in the light of what freedom really is. 
we've tried to be honest with some light here. And if we would be free, we must understand what freedom is and what it implies. I was recently shocked to find that many people don't understand that freedom carries with it limitations and responsibilities. Freedom is not an absolute. By its nature, it is qualified by what we are free from and what we are free to embrace. It has the responsibility to define these qualifications honestly. It is based on values that become more clear as we realize what we need to be free from. Freedom of speech must carry with it certain forms of free speech, as well as certain limitations of expression. Freedom's very bedrock must carry with it a responsibility to others. Freedom in a social moral vacuum is like a pardon for a prisoner, but no one knows how to unlock his jail cell. It serves no purpose and deserves no debate. He can cry, I'm free all he wants. The pardon accomplishes nothing if we don't know the limitations and the expressions that freedom implies. Liberty deserves that unrestricted or undefined liberty leads back into bondage. In the gospel message, freedom from the law of sin and death does not mean freedom to sin without an expectation of consequences. You have been called to liberty, the Bible says. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Liberty from sin is not intended to be liberty to sin, for to do so would destroy liberty. Freedom from fear, addiction, anger, or hurt must never be interpreted to mean the freedom to act or speak in ways that will lead back into such chains. Nor does it mean we have the freedom to lead others into slavery. My freedom from the fear of murder, lies, or theft means that I also accept the responsibility not to murder, lie, or steal. To do so would cause justice to remove my liberty. No matter what the lawyers or courts say, I don't believe I have the right to burn the flag or a police station or terrorize a city because I feel that I have been wronged and no one is listening. Just because men say I can doesn't mean I can without consequences. Inciting anger and hatred never brings liberty. The only one who can give us liberty of heart is Jesus Christ. He said that if you know the truth, it will set you free, and if you obey the truth, you will have joy and peace. Without internal freedom, social justice is a pipe dream. Men in bondage cannot hope to experience social liberty, even if it is all around them. Bondage corrupts liberty within and corrupts a society if it's allowed to promote freedom without personal responsibility. True liberty in Christ gives a man the capacity to love even his enemies. He is not captive to his own fears, hatred, and pain. He has found the liberty to receive the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Christ. He who is truly free is obligated to love everyone. If you don't like Joe or Donald, pray for them. Love them. That's true liberty, but realize this. If you can't stand Donald Trump or Joe Biden, 
The attitude that makes you hate them is the same attitude that makes others want to hate you. If we're not willing to love and give our lives for those we consider our enemies, what makes us think that Jesus giving his life for us will find us in heaven one day? The choice to accept the morality and the mercy of Christ is also the same choice to love, bless, and pray for our enemies. If we can't stand someone, there's a great blessing in store for us if we will agree that we need to get that out of our hearts. God's Word, Spirit, and glory in our soul will give us more than enough power to love our enemies. Take that to heart and learn to be much more careful in dealing with the enemies that we are facing in a nation that is moving closer and closer towards communist ideals. We need to have the fear of God, which brings us a greater depth of the love of God. Finally, if we would be free, we're going to need to know just what our soul is really after. And in this, we're going to take a look at a softer tone. The Apostle John said, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all of our sins. That's liberty through honest fellowship with one another. Years ago, I realized how the lack of intimacy and affection in my childhood affected my life. Temptation was often fueled by the pain of being socially and emotionally empty. Freedom is not just being released from something that has held us, but it is the authority to move forward to what our soul truly longs for. When we're bound up from attaining it, we can strive for counterfeits to satisfy the desires of our heart. Intimacy Close, heart-to-heart affection and fellowship is a knowing and being known and yet unconditionally accepting and supporting, and it fosters a deep comfort and value to a person's heart. It breeds a security that fends off our deepest fears. It sends a message. Your life is safe. It affords us with great peace and is the tangible substance of love. To know and to be known and find that we are forever secure in our hopes for all that is most dear to us, though we are very aware of our faults, is among the great rewards of intimacy. It is also the bedrock of our fellowship with God in the full light of His glory. Intimacy is a genuine and ongoing experience with the love of God. That's biblical fellowship, you see. To hear that God loves us without comprehending the richness of the intimacy that His love conveys is to miss the weight of His limitless love. To have Him meet our need for intimacy is of far greater impact and power than mere physical needs and desires. When such fellowship of heart and what it brings is missing from our families, our marriages, and from God, the heart will easily turn to physical outlets of mere carnal love or lust. Its loss is why so many people live in sexual sin today. When a man knows no such intimacy in his childhood, feels no peace and security in his family, he will eventually and inappropriately seek the longing of his soul from the counterfeit acceptance that the world gives. It may be sex, 
or it may be some performance-oriented alliance that promises acceptance yet appeals to one's inner dissatisfaction and emptiness and requires some level of carnal allegiance. Many an addict of drugs or sex or power has rebelled against wholesome standards of the soul for loss of intimacy. Such one may have never encountered this kind of love, or they may have been unwilling to pay intimacy's price, which is the risk of humble honesty. If not found through the atmosphere of pure and unconditional mutual love, the values of the heart become corrupt in their journey to find intimacy. Drugs deaden the pain. Corrupt values and belief systems rationalize a heart of pain and indict an entire society with a victim's mentality. It would be said, it's racism or it's religion, capitalism, conservatism, or some other social failure that has blocked the way to my freedom to be me. Identity crises are a deep issue that only a wholesome, godly intimacy can satisfy. This problem of identity lies near the heart of men's vicious pursuit of carnal answers. It also defines the deep draw of liberals to identity politics, for it feeds the victim mentality and it's being used to divide, deceive, and use entire people groups that the far left has been victimizing. We were created by God to live in His light as those bearing His image and filled with His glory and His fullness. This is His answer to our need for intimacy and identity and liberty. It also moves forward to identify our morals from a need and goal-oriented perspective. In other words, God's moral character is made possible by His merciful presence with us. You see, we need to understand what freedom is. We need to understand the responsibilities of freedom. And we need to be honest in this light so that we can have a genuine, loving interaction with those in this nation who are ignorantly trying to tear it down. We need all the pieces of this puzzle. If we're going to minister this posture of life in the gospel, it's going to have to be seen, touched, and experienced through men with no insecure agendas of achievement, pride, and empty head knowledge. We're going to have to love people in honesty and sincerity, understand and relate to this deepest of our soul's thirst in order to know what men need. Let's give them the gift of honest, unwavering friendship and then walk the pathway of morality in Jesus' word to lead our family and others to their destiny of unrestricted glory forever. That's true freedom. This is the liberty that every man hungers for. We've had enough conservatives' criticism and suspicion, and enough liberal lust. If we will turn instead to God, we'll need to get an intimate taste, of His love. This alone, will give us the power to love the unlovely, and disarm the anger in America, and it will destroy the tactics of socialism. We've learned today that liberty has absolutes attached to its very foundation. It also has a responsibility to the one who liberates, and to those whose rights we would otherwise trample upon. Let's find it through Christ, and overcome this present darkness.